Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. in week three of our series called Fool. And today we're speaking about crossing over from comfort. How do we live a life where we start living faithful in crossing over from our unfaithfulness or our, our place that we are maybe more comfortable? Man, one of these people just prepping for this, seeing one of these people that have actually opened up my heart for that is Matthew. Matthew, one of the disciples that started following Jesus, um, in a moment, Jesus actually kind of walks into this marketplace and he walks past this tax collector booth and he sees Matthew and it actually says this. As Jesus went from the space and he, he walked past a man named Matthew, he looked at him and he said, follow me. And then it says, Matthew got up and followed him. He dropped everything he's had, his, his life, everything that he was doing. He gave it up and he started following Jesus. Isn't this extremely radical? Radical thinking that this man takes his comfort, everything he has, and he starts living a life following Jesus. I mean, I could imagine Matthew, you know, the doubts in his head, like following Jesus, and it's kind of like scary. Like, oh, I'm giving up this comfort. I'm giving up everything around me so that I could follow this man called Jesus. I could think that the doubts running through his mind, you know, I'm, I'm so nervous. I don't know if I could do this. You know, or maybe I'm just in over my head thinking that I can just follow this man and continue, maybe he was thinking, I'm so inadequate and unqualified to step in and, and follow this man called Jesus. You see, sometimes we are un uncertain. We are uncertain that, that there might be, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. We're uncertain that we're going to get through to the other side. But here's the thing that drowned out all those voices for Matthew. It was the words that Jesus uttered when he said, follow me. Friends, we're going to be speaking about faith today and, and moving from our, our comfort zones into a place where we can say, Jesus, we say yes to you. We say yes to following you. Now, we're going to be reading out of a piece of scripture today in Matthew 14. And um, we're going to ask that you, you maybe open up your Bibles, sitting with your family, uh, maybe sitting alone. Open up your Bible to Matthew 14, where we're going to actually dive in um, to what this means. And the first thing we want to speak about is, is maybe dodging the big question, you know, saying things like, guys, it's not my problem. I, I can't do this. And, and that's the first thing that we usually, you know, dive into. And we see in Matthew 14, there's a story um, where Jesus hears tragic news, tragic news that John the Baptist or John the Baptizer um, was killed, that he was killed. He was literally beheaded in a way. And, um, he was killed and, and Jesus hears this tragic news and, he, and it saddens him. I mean, it saddens Jesus in a, in a massive way. It says in Matthew 14, Jesus heard what happened and he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. See, Jesus was upset. <laughs> Jesus was tired during that time, busy teaching people, teaching two people. And um, he was in the process of, of this, this pain that he experienced when John the Baptizer, Baptist died. And what you usually would do in that time is you didn't have a, a place you could run away to because people would still follow you on land. You had to actually climb on a boat and float out into the sea so you could have some privacy. And, and this is what Jesus does. He floats out to the sea to find some privacy, to kind of go through these emotions and to, and to kind of filter through what's happened in his life. And um, hearing this, you know, the crowds, and it goes on in, in verse 13, hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So they would walk next to this, the Sea of Galilee or where, we were, where he was and he would look at the, he would, they would be looking at Jesus floating on the water and they would be following him every step of the way. Like there he still is, there he still is. And they were busy following him on foot. 
And then it says, when Jesus landed, he hit land, and he saw the large crowd. <laughs> and then it goes on where, where we would think he, he would have thought to them, like, guys, just go away. Like, I'm really tired and I'm, I'm going through stuff. Or maybe, yes, maybe not now, you know, just a little bit later. Or maybe, you know, I don't have the time right now, crowd. You know, I, I can't do this. No. Scripture says that he saw the, last, the large cloud, the crowd, and he had compassion over them. He had compassion for them and started to heal the sick. Wow. This moment where Jesus is in a place of heartache and a place at a very difficult place in his life, he looks at this crowd and he says, man, I have so much compassion for you. I have so much love for you. And this is something radical Jesus does. Because Jesus is already sad about, you know, John, and, and he's sad about what's happening in his life, but he still has compassion. See, Jesus was in a difficult time, but he looks at the crowd with compassion. Now, if we were to say this, it's, it's really easy to say when you look at someone in a difficult place, and you know you're in a difficult place too. It's, it's really easy to kind of, you know, have some, some concern. You know, concern is not bad. Concern communicates this. It communicates like, oh, shame, you know, that's really tough. Everyone struggles. Um, good luck. You know, I really hope everything's going to be fine. And concern only communicates a little bit of compassion, not, not actually even. Because what you're actually saying is like, I see your problem. Tough. That's just how life is. <laughs> and Jesus could have easily done that. But no, Jesus has compassion for them because he has a love for people. And Jesus, what, what compassion actually teaches is this, is that compassion says these words, I love you, I see your struggle, how can I help? Where can I be a part to help you through the struggle? There's a series that I've been watching with my wife called New Amsterdam. If you haven't watched it, it's a really great series. It's a tearjerker, so get ready for it. But it's this new um, medical director that moves into a new, uh, into a new hospital, and um, he starts running things differently. He, the system was all about, you know, just having concern, having concern over people. And he, and he moved it by asking one question. When everyone would come to him and say, Dr. Max Goodwin, and, and they would ask him something. They would come to him and say, sir, can I ask you something? And then he always answered with these words, how can I help? Friends, could you imagine what our city would look like? The moment that we see people's problems in the city, we see the hurt in our city, we see the hurt in our families, in our communities, Wherever we see this hurt, we don't say, shame, we'll pray for you. And praying for them is really good. But we actually say, how can I help? Where can I put my hand into this community and love people? You see, it's really easy to step away and say, it's not my problem. But it's sometimes a bit difficult for us to say, how can I be a part to solve this problem? How can I be a part of that? How can I help? You see, Jesus has compassion over these people because he loves them. The story goes on. It goes on to say where Jesus would start healing and he's teaching in this moment to this massive crowd. And then the challenge starts coming. The, the sun starts setting, all right? And in this time that the sun is setting, the disciples are there as well. And, and the disciples kind of are hungry as well. And so is Jesus and so is this crowd because he's been busy the whole day. They haven't had a lunch break. And uh, in a moment, the disciples look at Jesus and they're kind of like, you know, I think we should give these people a dinner break. We should give them a moment, you know, just to get something to eat. Go to the close town and get something to eat. You see, what the disciples were doing there is they were showing concern, not compassion. Um, in, in, in verse 15, it says, um, send the crowds away, as the disciples are saying, send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Good solution. Good solution for the problem. Listen, we've been busy the whole day. Let's just send the crowd away so they can sort out themselves and they can come back and then hear a little bit more about Jesus. 
And Jesus, I think, sees this moment. And he looks at it and he says, you know what? There's something different here. There's something different that needs to happen. He sees this moment of this crowd and he sees the disciples only giving concern and not compassion. And Jesus looks at the crowd and he has compassion for them. And so I would just imagine this you know, dramatic moment where, where Jesus looks at the, the crowd and has compassion for them. And he kind of turns, you know, turns one way or he turns towards his disciples and he, and he looks at them kind of like with a little smirk and he says these words, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Whoa. <laughs> Could you imagine what was going through the disciples' head? Me, us, 12 men that, that we don't really have much are supposed to feed 5,000 people tonight. It's impossible. It can't be done. Jesus invited them to be part of the solution, not part of pointing at the problem, which, con which concerned us. But compassion says, I want to be part of the solution. You see, Jesus was compassionate about the people. And he wanted his disciples to learn that day that it's not about being, you know, in a place where you're concerned. Disciples of Jesus aren't concerned about people. Disciples of Jesus are compassionate for people. We have a passion to love people and to see them grow out of a difficult space. And from this, this task, I could imagine the disciples standing there thinking, it's impossible. We can't do it. I mean, we don't, we don't have the right amount of food. We, we can't get this. We don't have enough money to go buy at the town and bring it here. We're going to need a donkey cart. We're going to need this and that. It's, it's really difficult. And this is what we do sometimes, right? Is we see a thing that God is putting in our hearts and we say, God, it's impossible. It cannot be done. And then maybe we go to the second question and say, okay, I'm going to try, God. I'm going to really try, but, you know, I'm going to try out of my own. And we're going to speak about that later. And then there's a third thing that we, we dive into, say, you know, Jesus, shame. Can you just help those people? Can you just do something? But God wants us to be his hands in the moment. The question for you is, do you have compassion for people in your life? Compassion for people that are hurting. And the reason why we have compassion for people is because we've experienced the love of God. Man, if you love God, it is impossible for you to not love people. That is how it works. When we love God and we seek God and we have a relationship with God, it is difficult not to love people. That is what God calls us to do. So how do you have compassion for these people? Well, very simple. You see them through the eyes of God. You look at them how God looks at them where God sees a loving person, where God looks past the sin and the hurt and the pain and the brokenness of that person and he looks at their heart and how he created them. When God sees that, he has compassion for people. And in the same way, God is calling us to look at people, the people in our community, the people around us that we might be pushing away and just having concern for and not compassion, saying, wow, God absolutely loves you. And I want to step in to show you how much God loves you. You see, can you imagine a city where we all have compassion for one another? Where we all don't say, it's not my problem. But where we actually say, I want to put my hands into this problem because I have a love for people. You see, Jesus in the story, it kind of starts going on. And, you know, that, that you would see the story where they are building through to see a breakthrough. But here's the thing, if you don't step out in faith, you won't see a breakthrough. You've got to step into it. You've got to be a part of it. And sometimes we say this thing that, I know what you're saying, Brent, is great, but, you know, I don't earn much or I'm not really influential. I, I can't really do enough. Maybe I'm, I don't think I am enough. 
Can I tell you, this is exactly what the disciples thought in that moment in Matthew 14. I mean, Jesus asked this impossible task for them. They, they start thinking, do we have enough? I'm not good enough. How can we do this? This is impossible. 5,000 people. I mean, this is really not possible. And Jesus knew that the disciples would not be able to complete this task. I think Jesus gave them this task kind of like with a smirk saying, you know, good luck, disciples, but I know you're not going to be able to do it. Because he wanted to see where the disciples' faith was. Was their faith in him? Or was their faith in their own works, in their own doings? Why, why did he do such a thing? Well, we see the disciples, um, in, when we see in our lives, that when it comes to faith, we've got these two choices. We've got this choice to kind of trust God and believe in him, trust Jesus that the, that the thing will work out as it should. Or the second thing is we trust and we go and make our own plans. Man, and this is exactly what the disciples do. Jesus says to them in, um, in, in uh, reading from Mark 6 now, it says, Mark 6, 37, it says, He answered to them, give them something to eat. And then it say, he said to them, uh, uh, then uh, they said to him, they said, that would take more than half a year's wages. We are, uh, we, uh, are we going to spend this much on bread and giving them something to eat? <laughs> You see, they started working out. They started planning. Okay, if, if we have to give 5,000 people this much amount of food, it's going to work out to about the half a year's wages. I could imagine, obviously, Matthew working this out for them, you know, because he was a bit of a tax collector. He knew his numbers quite well. Um, I mean, they were starting to make their own plans. How much will it cost? How would we do this? Could we ask people to donate? Like, what is the plan? And they start trusting their own plans. And then the second thing is, is they kind of bully a kid out of his lunchbox. <laughs> They see this kid with his lunchbox, see the fish, and the kid was actually, you know, very keen to give. Um, but I could imagine it was Peter in that moment, you know, bullying the kid out of his lunchbox because he was a bit of a fighter. But also, Peter, you know, he could smell a fish from a mile away. So um, he was a fisherman, so I mean, he loved fish. Um, so I really think it was him that did it. But you would see this, this moment where they're trying to gather things and they're trying to figure out things. They're trying to make plans so they could fix this problem. And how much of us, you know, as disciples of Christ, we try and fix our problems? Not just spiritually, you know. Um, when it comes spiritually, there's nothing we can do to fix our problems. It's, it's putting our faith in Jesus. It's putting our faith in the finished work of the cross. But when we see problems around us, many different problems, we trust our own, you know, um, provision. We trust our own, um, our own abilities. We trust our own plans. We trust the things that we can have control of. And here's the thing. That's where comfort is. But in comfort, our faith cannot grow. Our faith cannot grow bigger into more spaces. See, we need to ask this to ourselves. When you are in a place where you need breakthrough, maybe it's financially, physically, emotionally, relationally, where do you run to? If you're in a place where you need breakthrough, where do you run to? Do you maybe run to the safety and security of money, the savings that you put over, over time, a pension fund? Um, do you run to those things and say, you know, at least, you know, if everything goes down, I've, I've got a backing, I'll be okay. I'm looking, you know, after me then you're putting your faith in your own hands. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're running to a, a, a relationship or a, a friend or a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or maybe just your wife or your husband. And, and that's good. It's good to run to those people and, and help you through that journey. But is it the first person you run to or is Jesus the person you run to first? It's a difficult question, right? And uh, maybe it's, it's just your safety. Knowing that you're safe in your job or getting a degree as a student so I can have safety and security. Friends, in this world, life comes at us. 
And we need to ask our questions. Can we put our faith in the, the rock of ages, the one that does not move? Do you put your faith in Jesus in difficult and good situations? See, Jesus wanted his disciples to fail in this situation. I really believe he wanted them to fail so that he could show them this, that they shouldn't put their faith in what they can do, but put their faith in who he is and what he has done. You see, the, go on in Mark 6, it says, how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. And he said, go and see. Go and see how many loaves you've got, or whatever you have. Just go, just go check what you have. Because they were trying to make plans of buying and doing all these things. And then they found out and they said to him, we have five fish, or five loaves and two fish. Right, that's always the funny joke. Is it five loaves, two fish, two fish, five loaves? It's five loaves and two fish. And Jesus does something radical in that moment. He doesn't say, okay, you know what, go take this, maybe sell it for a better price. Let's make a better plan. Now, Jesus does something crazy. He uses these words. He says, give them to me. Let me show you. Here, Jesus, you know, he goes and he, and he changes the game in this moment. He looks at this, this, this space and Jesus says, you've got this massive problem. But I want to show you how you solve massive problems in this world. You don't solve massive problems by getting a, a donation from a multi-million million rand company. You don't solve problems by fixing it yourself. No, you solve problems by trusting me and seeing how I work through you in your faith. Jesus says to them, he brings the answer. He says, bring me, bring them to me. Bring the fish and the loaves to me. I know it's a, you know, it's little Jesus, and I know it's not good and it's maybe not enough, but plenty of things or small things or whatever you have, Jesus is asking this question, show me what you have, then I can show you what I can do. <laughs> Bring what you have, then I can show you how faithful I am. Jesus does not ask for perfection or the perfect answer. He asks this question, bring me what you have and I will show you what I can do. Maybe the question for you, would: what do you need to bring to Jesus? Is it your, your passion for education? Maybe it's your, your family. <laughs> Maybe it's a place where you're asking questions about your future. Maybe it's the, the unsafety you're feeling during this time of COVID, the, the understanding of will I, will I get the virus or am I going to get through this virus or am I going to get to that place? And I, I remember a few weeks back, I had the virus and, and sitting there stressing, thinking, God, will I get through this? Will you be there for me? And I knew there was one thing that I had to put my faith in, and that is Jesus. I put all the practical things in place, but the thing that brought peace to my heart is knowing that Jesus is faithful and that he loves me. And friends, the question we're asking today is, is are you bringing the things of your life to him? Are you bringing it to him? I could imagine in this moment, Jesus, you know, gets this bread and this fish and, and he has this prayer moment with God. He has this moment where he prays with God. And I, he, it literally says he looked up towards God. And I, I think almost in a way of saying, God, it's about to go down. You, you, me and you both know what's happening, you know. The guys are going to realize this amazing moment. And, and there's this moment where he starts praying and the guys sit on the, the, the glass and he, and he prays and he asks God, will you bless this fish and this loaves? And then what does Jesus do in the next moment, does he scatter it out or do, does you know, loaves f f fall down from heaven? No. He says he gave them to his disciples. The, the bread and the fish that Jesus gave them, Jesus blesses it and he gives it back to the disciples. What is he teaching the disciples? He's saying, guys, <laughs> here's the thing. It is my blessing that will make things multiply. It's my blessing that will make your life better. But I want you to take that 
and start bringing it to our world. He's saying, I'm going to bless this, but I'm not going to just hand it out. I want you to be a part of the story. I want you to be a part of this victory. And he hands it to his disciples. And, and what do the disciples do? They, they kind of knew that they had to trust Jesus, right? So they start taking this, and we see this later um, in the verse. It gave him to the disciples, and the disciples started giving it to the people. He started handing, they started handing it out to the people. I could imagine these disciples, you know, taking this fish and walking into this crowd, not knowing what's going to happen, trusting Jesus, hoping that something good was going to happen. And, and they start breaking this bread and giving out this fish and breaking this bread and giving out this fish. And I think just maybe as they're going down this line and in different groups, you know, handing it out, I could just imagine them going like, guys, this is not getting empty. Something's happening here. And I could imagine the, the, the faith of the disciples in that moment growing like, oh, my word, God is doing something. It is great to be a part of what God is doing. Friends, how many times have we missed out? <laughs> missed out on what Jesus is doing because we are too scared. We are maybe saying, and that's not my problem. I'm not going to step into that. Or maybe we're saying, yes, God, I, I really have a heart for that, but I'm not good enough. Friends, at the end of the day, we're all not good enough. And that's the point. None of us are. But it's when Christ becomes a part of our lives. That is when the good enough becomes great. That is when we see miracles happen. You see, these disciples, they understood something in this moment. They understood that their obedience started intersecting with God's faithfulness. And then something amazing happened. Friends, if we're looking at our lives and our, our livelihoods and our families and everyone around us, where do we need to start trusting God? Where do we need to stop trusting our plans and start putting our plans in God's hands and seeing how He blesses it and He gives it to us to run and to love this world, to love our city. Jesus wants you to be a part of it, just as He called the disciples to be a part of it. Jesus could have given everyone bread and fish, probably with a Coke or two if He really wanted to. But He didn't. Why? Because He wanted the disciples to experience what happens when you trust Him, when you trust His faithfulness. They crossed over, these disciples crossed over from comfort to trusting His faithfulness. Friends, are you trusting His faithfulness today? Are you trusting His faithfulness in your life, in, in how you live? Are you trusting His faithfulness in your marriage, maybe your, your family, maybe your children, or maybe even your grandchildren? You see, when we start trusting this, God starts, starts doing something in our lives. It starts transforming the people. Maybe there's something God's asking you to do and He wants you to step into it, but you're feeling that you're not good enough. I want to come and say this, is that maybe the reason you're feeling that you're scared of failure, don't be. God is calling you towards something. And if you step into that, someone's grandchild, someone's child, someone's marriage, someone's family will be healed. He's waiting for you to step out and be His hands and feet as the disciples were in that moment. So in ending off, how do we end this? How do we understand this picture? Well, we have a choice in life. We can either say yes to Jesus or yes to our plans. We can either say yes to the glory of God and to His faithfulness and trust Him with our lives, or we can say yes to the plans we've made to try and fix life around us. You see, there's a story of the rich young ruler. Um, we read about it in Matthew 19 a little bit later. And uh, there's a story of the rich young ruler. And there's this moment, I'm going to quickly read it for you. This young man said to Jesus, he says, I've obeyed all these commands. See, deeds again, right? I've done what, what I should do. What else do I need to do? He asked Jesus. And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, if you want to see perfection, go and sell all that you own. 
really hard words from Jesus. He's saying, listen, it's not about what you're doing. I want you to get rid of the thing that has been conquering your heart, which is your money and your possessions. I want you to start fully trusting me. Now, I'm not saying today, you know, go sell everything you have. Please don't do that. But what I'm saying today is like, where is your heart with this? Because then we see Jesus say, you know, go do those things. And then you will have riches in heaven, not just riches here on earth. And he asks this question to him. He says, come and follow me. Leave this life, the, the, the plans you've gotten, the, the possessions you've gotten, these things that, that make you feel safe. He says, will you give those things so that you can start and following me, so that you can start having faith in me? And here's a crazy thing that happened. It says, but then the young, ruler, the young man um, heard Jesus tell him to give away his money. And he said, he didn't even want to do this. He did not want to do this because he was a very rich man. And then it says, so he left. Why do we not remember this man's name? Why, why in the Bible doesn't it say the rich young ruler's name is now um, Gerard or Peter or whatever it may be or John or, or um, you know, why, why don't we know this person's name? It's because they are not, he's not remembered because he didn't say yes to Jesus. Because he didn't say yes to the plans and the glory of God. Why 2,000 years later do we hear about the disciples? Of, of, we hear about you know, um, Peter, we hear about Andrew, we hear about Matthew, we hear about all these men. Even later on, we hear about Paul, we hear about these amazing men. Why do we 2,000 years later still hear their story? It's because they said yes to Jesus and they revolutionized this world. Friends, if you want to see something happen within our city, if you've got a love for people, it starts with saying yes to Jesus. And just last of all, I mean, I could imagine the, the disciples. The reason why Jesus was testing them so much in the story and, and asking them to put their faith in him is because later on, on a hill, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and some few of his other followers. And he says these words. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations. What? Go and make disciples, not just of, you know, Jerusalem or Israel or maybe just the outskirts of all the nations. Go. Man, I could imagine the disciples reacting in this moment, going, wait, 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 wait. Jesus, what are you asking? Like, are you crazy? Like, I mean, we're going to cross rivers we've never seen before, seas we've never seen before. There's going to be other people in different languages throwing spears at us, fighting at us. We're going to hear persecution. We're going to see all these things. It is impossible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they start remembering the fish. And they start remembering the loaves. And they say, I get it. <laughs> I get it, Jesus. It's impossible, but I'll bring what I have. I will bring what I have to the table because I know that you're faithful. Friends, can I make the invite today to kind of put away the thoughts and to say, Jesus, I will bring what I have because I want to see how good you are. I want to see your goodness. What is the one thing that God is asking you right now to bring to the table? Because he's saying, bring it to me and I will make it new. Whether it's your pain, whether it's your situation, whatever it is, I will make it new if you trust me. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, as we, as we hear the story of the disciples and we see how you put them through this test and, and seeing how faithful you are. Firstly, Lord, we want to say thank you that you are faithful. And secondly, Lord, as you, as you put these disciples through a test, will you come and test our hearts as well? Will you come and speak to our hearts and put us into places where we're unsure, unsure whether we're going to make it, unsure where we are. And maybe a lot of us are in those places right now, Jesus, where we are experiencing pain and hurt. 
And Jesus, I want to ask this, that you would come and be a part of that. That as the, the disciples would, would say, you know, these things are impossible that you're asking Jesus. And we are saying the same thing. Maybe this thing is impossible for us to give over or impossible for us to do. Jesus, will you remind us of the, the fish and the loaves? Remind us of how good you are. And when we put our lives into your hands, we see our faithfulness. May we move from a place where we are comfortable in our lives to a place where we can see your faithfulness. May, the, may we step out of comfort into a place where your faithfulness can meet, meet us and we can see the growth of your kingdom and who you are and our lives with you. We thank you for that. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.